It's mole day in Japan. <laughs> mole day? <laughs> like the like the mole. Oh my god. Nani. You're right. It is mole day. National Mole Day Foundation, October twenty third. Oh, I was wondering what they meant by molde. It commemorates Avogadro's number. Okay, <laughs> that makes sense. That okay. All right, all right, all right. I was just confused because I thought chemistry. it was. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it was literally moles because their yeah. like logo is a mole, and I was like, it is. Uh, okay, moles are cool. <laughs> I guess. Like we just watched an anime that is like about uh about a oh, guy that could be a mole. True. Um, Relevant. <laughs> and then I scrolled down and I was like, oh, it's a, it's about Avogadro's number. Okay, okay, okay. That makes sense. Welcome back to the AdCast, the podcast for the study of modern visual culture. I am your singing Onesan Renu. And I'm your pirate princess, Soup. <laughs> this week, Ad stands for Absolute Territory because we will finally be wrapping up the summer 2021 season. Yay! <laughs> you should sound enthused like you're ready. <laughs> It's oh my god! It's it's been a a very long three months. It's been a long season for sure. <laughs> um, so I guess we might as well segue right into it. What have we been up to during these three months? <laughs> um, okay, so I've had a lot of stuff happen since we last recorded. Um, especially because yeah. we didn't do uh, an episode last month. Um, yeah, but very specifically, uh, I moved out of my parents' yeah. house and into into a place with some of my friends. Um and that has been basically taking up like 90 95% of my time uh over the past <laughs> month or so. Um that and you know um I uh have been working to support myself uh in in this new um environment. <laughs> so um my time is very um <laughs> My time is a lot more constrained than it was before, where I'm just like, oh, 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 God, where do I find time to fit things? Oh, Jesus. where That where do can be we... the working life. <laughs> yeah, it's like, oh, God, where can we find time to uh, record the podcast? Oh. <laughs> anyway, um, it just, uh, a, an episode last month was just not in, in the cards. It was just not feasible. Um, but here we are with a with an episode for you uh, this month and it is a wrap-up episode um and it's, it's funny because like uh looking over this uh the i looked over the list for this and this look this looks like it was an eternity ago like <laughs> i read this and i was like surely this is not the right document surely this is like a couple of seasons ago no this this was this season yeah it's yep, just yep. been like weirdly long um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh boy, yeah. Like there, like as, as soon as I started recognizing stuff. Also, like stuff came out like weirdly segmented, um, where not everything came out at the same time. So some stuff wrapped really early, and some stuff just kept going. Um, yeah, yeah. 
And all of that was was very confusing. But anyway, um, I moved, and that has been most of most of my life, to be honest. Right now, um, is just sort of that. Uh, we've had many many stories, more than I can really recount on the podcast. Um, many <laughs> you can tell some highlights that have happened. Oh well, okay. So we have been furniture hounding um, Craigslist. Mm to get Very stuff important. to furnish our home, right? Yes, yes, yes. And we uh, have had had some mishaps where uh, we got a table, and okay. that was Gucci. So we got like a table for our uh, dining room, um, mm-hmm. which uh, our dining room slash living room. Um, and we have a, a living room and a lounge. Uh, it's a big house. But um, mm. we got that table. And the only reason we could fit that table anywhere was because we already had the U-Haul but we had to get the U-Haul back to the station uh, before they charged you for before they charge you for another day. If you're like late, mm, they charge you mm-hmm, for another day, mm-hmm. right? And that's very expensive. So, mm-hmm. um, my friends went and in the U-Haul picked up the table, brought it back, and then had to go take it to the station, like the U-Haul station. But they had to fill it with gas first, which. Uh, oh yeah, because they charge you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they charge you. Um, and actually, this is awful. This is awful. I'm sure that this is completely unrelatable to somebody who lives in Texas, but um, they charge you five dollars a gallon, right? <gasps> Which sounds so hefty. Except in here in California, gas prices are so fucked that five five uh, a gallon isn't even the most expensive it could be. Like some oh. gas stations charge more than five a gallon for like the lowest grade of oil. Oh, so so <laughs> like when when I say when I say really in hindsight it's not even that much of a markup it like that price has not aged particularly well for the company. So, so would it have been cheaper still to go get your own gas and fill it up, or would it have been cheaper to just give the truck back to the? Okay, so so company? like that's that's the thing, right? Is mm-hmm. um, they got it back with like. Five to fifteen minutes to spare. Okay. So, like, yes and no, right? It it was obviously cheaper to refill it, but also it okay. would have been cheaper to just send it rather than pay for another day. You, oh yeah, hundred you know percent. I mean? Yeah, always. <laughs> so they um they re- really cut it close there, but you know I'm thankful that they got the the table in. Um, yeah. And we acquired a couple of more tables, and one of them <laughs> we got for the kitchen. And okay. we got that one. Uh, it's a funny story. Uh, we went to go pick up a coffee table from somebody. Um, like we bought a coffee table, and mm. um, uh, I didn't go for any of this, but like um, because uh, <laughs> we fit all of this into my friend's like Subaru, and um, that means that you know one person can go right, one person <laughs> in addition to the driver. So they went off to uh, do that, and then um, loaded this table in, and it was like you know, big, um, bigger than they thought. And it came with some chairs and this, that was weird because we were buying a coffee table. Right. Um, oh, yeah. And, uh, when we, when they went to pay, uh, they were just like, eh, it'll be like this much. And they're like, Oh, I thought it was this much. And, uh, the guy was like, Oh, that's for the coffee table. <laughs> so it turns <laughs> out they had just loaded an entirely separate table into, into the car um, but like it took a lot of work to get it in there because, um, you have to really Tetris one in there. And so they were like, 
you know what? Let's just, let's just we let's might just, as well just take it. Yeah, we'll, just, we'll take this one too. Um, and they're mm-hmm. like, okay, we'll be back. So then they they came here, they dropped off that table, and then they went back for the coffee table. <laughs> That's so funny. And then my friend recently was just like, hey, we bought a new table. Um, would you like a table? Because otherwise, we're just gonna like uh like take it to the goodwill. And oh we're my like, gosh. <laughs> Yes, yes, we would like a table. <laughs> so we went and we got another table. Um, <laughs> where? Okay, where are all these tables going? Because you said one was for the living room, which we already okay. established, and you have so a coffee one, table. So right, you have two one, extra tables. Okay, so uh, the dining table is in the dining room slash living room. Um, yes. The coffee table is in the lounge. Okay. The uh, extra table that we got while trying to acquire the coffee table is in mm-hmm. the kitchen. And okay. the extra the, the extra dining table we got uh, is currently in the office. So our house is split <laughs> up so that everybody has a room. Um, I'm sharing a room with with my partner, and um, also, um, we turned the master bedroom into an office because it's the only one with grounded outlets for oh. some reason. Yeah, uh-huh. I guess because the the house is like pretty old. It's like a it's like a fifties house that um only hmm. I think only this room well, only the office really has been renovated. So it's been interesting. Okay, um, but we turned it into an office and that worked out pretty pretty well actually. Um, but yeah, so that extra table is in here. It is currently supporting our television. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, it's been it's been going pretty well. Oh, I don't remember if I ever remember, if I ever mentioned this on the podcast, but I am engaged now, so um, ah, that's, that's also I guess a big thing that I should talk about. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I went on a date to the aquarium and I got proposed to. It was very nice, very sweet. That oh my god, that's so gay. <laughs> yeah, literally, aquariums are probably the most homosexual places on the planet. Yes, right. Like yes, it's like 100%. aquariums. It's aquariums first, and then it's like gay bars second. So, yeah, that was fun. Um, I'm so happy for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of my fiance, we are um, taking a trip down to uh, L.A. this week uh, oh. so that we can um, go to a show. Uh, one of the podcasts that we listen to uh, is is putting on a show down there. Um, Ooh. Of course, like, you know, vaccination cards required at the door, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to be a good time. Uh, we're going to spend a week down there, a um, couple days Ooh. in a hotel, a couple days with uh, one of my friends. Um, yeah. And yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Um, I don't like big drives, but uh, I do like L.A. So that. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I know very I, few people who like LA. You know what really? I mean? Really? I mean, okay. Yeah. Like, obviously, <laughs> I think it would be a very different story if I was if I were to to attempt to live there. But mm, I think, mm-hmm. yeah, as a mm-hmm. as a place to go, there is a lot of stuff there that is like very cool and like you know, okay. it has it has like a big Koreatown, a very historically relevant Koreatown, um, oh. kind of all that stuff. Yeah, I would just go there to eat. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean that's like ninety percent of what we're doing, right? We're, okay, we're going okay, down <laughs> good, <Yeah>. good. <laughs> One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like every every trip is a food trip. Like good, obviously good, good. we're gonna wa- we're gonna go watch this podcast show, but like it, it's about it's about the food, really. Um, You'll be eating and, around the show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, you gotta eat to live. You do. Yes, correct. <laughs> yeah, 
So, uh, yep. Uh, what's funny is I think by the time this episode comes out, uh, mm. I will have already come back, but just barely. <laughs> um, because I, we're recording this on the 22nd because I'm leaving on the 24th and then oh. coming back like... Um, <laughs> um and and then I come back on the 29th. Mm. So um yeah, I'm going to be spending a quite quite a couple of days there. Uh it's going to be fun. Yeah, that sounds nice. All right, that's basically the short version of what I've been up to. What have you been up to, Renu? I have finished almost all of my conventions. I have one left that is in 2 weeks. Um so I've been like kind of been, been able to take it easy and slowly but surely prepare for that um and my baby clover is now seven months old (laughs) oh puppy 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 seven months old she's so you know like as as you get through the life stages of puppydom Mm -hmm. uh you are able to resolve like older problems and then new ones pop up (laughs) yes of course so she's mastered potty training and all that and you know and the whole like bite inhibition all that kind of stuff right but now she's gotten like confident enough to start guarding us, which oh. we don't really want that. We want like a, a dog who is just generally friendly with everyone, you know, because we just want her to be like a companion versus like a guard dog, right? Right. Mm. So it's become a bit of an issue where um when we're at the dog park, if another dog approaches, she gets very she'll she'll like burst in like and like sandwich herself between us you know between us and the dog (laughs) Mm -hmm. or she will guard by basically thrusting her body between (laughs) your legs as you're standing (laughs) i don't know Uh why (laughs) i don't know why that's her guard position but yeah um so she's gonna be doing some training to uh hopefully uh you know call those instincts back (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, because it's a it's a problem when um she also um guards toys, but they don't even necessarily have to be her toys. So sometimes okay. she'll steal a toy from another dog. The other dog will try to get it back, and she'll guard against them. <laughs> she'll guard the toy against them. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, it's a huge problem. Um, when we're uh when there's like a bunch of dogs that and the owners have brought their toys to the park and stuff, and so she has like her pick of all these different toys that are not hers, but she thinks that she's entitled to them and guards them. Oh, my. <laughs> so hopefully we can, uh, you know, take some lessons, some some dog training lessons to work that out for her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's that's mostly been it for me, has been work and then clover training and convention prep. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Yeah, uh, trying to teach a cat anything is actually impossible. <laughs> you need you need our resident cat whisperer. He's trained our dog, uh, our our cats to come and to respond to their names, and you know all, yeah. that, all that stuff. I yeah. mean, the, the thing is that like um, that Philip is a is a very smart boy. Um, he's, mm-hmm. he's very intelligent. Um, he knows he figured out how to open lever doors. Terrifying, <laughs> but it, he has. Um, but uh, the thing is, he has this habit of whenever he wants our attention, he'll just start chewing on on cables. 
Ah, so and, he he regards like any kind of attention as like attention, like good attention, essentially. Uh, it, it depends. Uh, he mostly does this when he's hungry, but he's hungry like a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes. And and the problem is that we don't want to feed him too much because like, yes, that, we don't want to overfeed him. But yes. like he is just an absolute menace uh, uh-huh. at nighttime when we're trying to sleep because he um is just like feed me and then he'll just like chew on the like uh, the the uh, cable to the lights or he'll like attack your feet and it's just like ah <laughs> please i beg of you <laughs> and no amount of spritzing has ever dissuaded him have you tried the um the stuff that tastes bad Okay, so I have um I was I was looking stuff up and um yeah. one person did recommend uh this thing that he did, which is he was just like I rub all my cables with hand soap. <laughs> oh <laughs> that's interesting. Did it um, work? I haven't tried it. You should try it. We we have this uh stuff that is like it tastes like sour apple. And my dog hates it, and so um, I would imagine the cats would hate it, too. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we sprayed um, it a lot um, when Clover was in her chewing phase to prevent her from chewing on, like, cables, for example. You know, things that are dangerous. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about anime? Heck yeah, let's get into it. Okay, let's talk about anime. So, first <laughs> up on the chopping block is... Kobayashi's Maid Dragon Season 2, which I really liked. I thought it was very cute and very good. I thought it it would take me a lot longer to get over the new character. The new character, design. Like, Um, okay. Yeah. I mean, let me be the first to say, awful. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Right. We're we're all in agreement here that like um it is just not what I want to be doing on my like Tuesday nights to just be watching like a child who is like five but has the biggest bazongas you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> like that is the definition definitionally what people are just like looking at anime and being like, What the fuck about right? <laughs> I'm just like, please, I beg of you, the rest of it is really good. <laughs> It, it the the rest of it is so incredibly good that like I think I was only uh I guess focused on the new character for like three episodes and then after that I was like all right we're fine. <laughs> I mean luckily luckily the focus on on that character also just like pretty much drops like precipitously after. Yeah that. yeah yeah mm-hmm. um, that does help, which is fine. You know um I I think it's it's whatever. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of the stuff that they bring up in season two, because um, we touched on a little bit of it in at the end of season one um, mm-hmm. about the kind of like a, a, like a little bit more of the like uh, serious uh, questions of, uh, like the uh, the show kind of has about like you know finding a place where you belong and like um, what does it mean to have like like a home and like uh, uh, can you really coexist with a chaos dragon that could destroy the universe, right? <laughs> all that kind of uh-huh. stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I kind of like how underneath all of the, like, very fluffy, very cute sort of stuff that was happening um, on the surface, you also kind of get this, like, 
like quiet uh um i don't want to say intense but like you know a sort of meaningful like uh melodrama about like the character's emotional states i thought that was kind of neat um i i liked when they explored um toru and elma's like backstory and like yeah oh my gosh i love that yes and how they had like um that kind of um relationship in in the past and how their beef started Right, mm-hmm. right. Also, like their like sparring was like straight up just the best, like the best fight of this season. Oh, like the fights in this season were so, so good. good. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah. I love this show as a slice of life because there it feels like there's actual substance and weight to it. Um, yeah, totally. And you, you, you generally, at least with most slice of life. It's it meant to be like very light, you know, and mm-hmm. you just kind of like it's an easy watch. But this manages to be both meaningful and easy to watch, which I I'm so down. <laughs> yeah, I really. Yeah, you know, I, I totally agree. I like that there's a lot of sort of meat and substance behind mm-hmm. all of the sort of cutesy antics that that go on. Yeah, it like it makes the slice of life stuff have like a meaning to it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's like I think it's really cool because it feels like it's like part of the reason that like the show is is put together the way that it is. Um, mm. Like the fact that um, a daily sort of slice of life is so alien to most of these characters to begin with um, <laughs> makes it like have more meaning for them yeah, and that's for true, us, that's right? true. Yeah. So like you know, obviously, like all of the characters, like they. Um, most of them are dragons. They came from, you know, um, like dragon land where like they were in perpetual <laughs> like faction war, right? Yeah. But yeah. also just like um, Kobayashi herself uh, was never really one with like a lot of friends or like um, that much of a personal life. Like she, she just kind of did work, right? Mm-hmm. And like um, it's not just about how Kobayashi is like showing um, the dragons how to, how to live kind of a, a normal, peaceful life, but um, also about like Kobayashi learning how to have a sort of like meaningful work life balance, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I um I overall really really liked season 2. Um mm-hmm. every episode was was a delight for me. Um Yes. And Yeah, like honestly kind of uh I feel like I feel like I don't remember what I talked about the last time we watched uh, Made Dragon, but um, I feel like a lot of the the heart of it is is still there. Like, um, oh obviously, yeah, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. This is like KyoAni's first sort of like major production um, since the like the the tragic arson attack, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it really is like a very impressive showing, um, and it gives me a lot of hope because like. Yeah. You know, as we've talked about, uh, KyoAni is like basically one of the only studios out there making anime sustainably, which is like, boy, isn't that the hot topic nowadays, huh? <laughs> it you really know? felt like they came back with a vengeance with this anime. Like, yeah, they, they really, they really came out swinging. Mm-hmm. And I thought yep. it, it turned out really well as a result. Oh, yeah. It turned out so well. So I'm really happy for them. Yeah. Re- really happy about that. Really happy yeah. about that. Um, love me some homosexuals. <laughs> Speaking of, let's talk about Hamifura for a season two. Uh, like, oh. Okay, before before we continue, I will say it is um very merciful to me that um our list of stuff that we watched is like so so truncated. 
<laughs> because uh, if I uh, anyway, um, I'm on a time crunch. That's all. Um, so how my first season two was overall very cute, like very much like Kobayashi in that it uh, was consistently uh, pretty much as good as as the as the first season as is. Cute, delightful, um, and fun, <laughs> save for exactly one thing, <laughs> which is that this season has, has too much Keith in it. Okay, okay, let's, okay, so this season, there's a lot more, I guess, romantic development, which it doesn't, you, you would kind of assume that it kind of hits its stride and then it kind of gets formulaic because they're all trying to win her heart, but she's oblivious. They actually, the love interests start making some moves during mm-hmm. this season and making her recognize, oh, they have romantic feelings for me. So one is naturally going to be her fiance, right? That's that's a given. Right. That just um, makes sense, of course. Yeah. And, but then the second one... <laughs> yeah, the second, was... the second one they really focused on was Keith. It was her adopted brother, like her brother that was Sir. adopted to her family when they were when they were young, when they were like little itty bitties, <laughs> like yeah. children. <laughs> so they've grown up together and were raised together as siblings. And she definitely one thousand percent thinks of him as her brother, mm-hmm. you know. Yep. And when he was in crisis or was missing, uh, she was crying because he was her family, and she kept. You know, reflecting on how much that he had been there for her all her life, and you know, he was he was her her only brother, and also like the best sibling she could ever ask for. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. And then Keith ruined it. <laughs> and then Keith just crumpled all that up and threw it in the garbage. Um. So yeah, if you're not down for this adopted brother, um, <sighs> smooching. <laughs> Uh, anime, please. <laughs> Why do you have to make everything so weird? <laughs> Maybe like I think it. I think it was the last episode or the one before the last episode of the season. I think yeah. I think it is yeah. is the episode before the last. I think the last okay. episode doesn't have any of that. Um, and okay. I think the last episode's pretty pretty worth watching. I. Sure. I I am upset at how much there was of Keith this season because, like, in the first place, I don't really care about him. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, like, I would have been fine if he was if he just remained like a a non love interest. Like, he's fine as a character yeah. that tries to like protect his sister's interests and keep you know all these people he's off just of her. Go and yeah. make it weird. Yeah, they made it very weird, and yeah, uh, no. everything outside of the whole Keith part i liked so i agree i agree um, i mean yeah. i'm i'm firmly in, i'm firmly in the camp that um we should we should go for uh, either a harem ending without keith <laughs> looks yes. looks into the camera like i'm on the office um or um uh or uh katarina should end up with um with a uh, uh mary uh, maria um the the main character of the, the oh like that game. would be good yeah, right? mm-hmm. I I think that's that's where it would be good for me, but um, mm-hmm. I just I cannot abide by you, Keith. I cannot abide by your presence <laughs> in this show. I cannot abide. <laughs> How dare you be so do? present? Why did they do that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh. honestly, it it was very good 
overall, like very much more of the the first season, not in mm-hmm. a way that's like too repetitive or too boring. Like obviously, the stakes are never going to be like super high, even when they're like, "Oh no, Keith is right. kidnapped. He's gonna die." Right. Like he, he's yep. not gonna die. He's not even gonna be seriously injured. Like it's it's fine. Like that's not <laughs> what the tone of the story is. And right. It's not right. Like I don't think it's it's really meant to be. Um, or like. Or rather, I should say, I don't think that's where the story is um, is at its best. Um, I think Correct, yeah. that that Hamifera is just at its best when it's just being a very like silly like uh, harem love comedy uh, yes. about uh, a clueless girl and all of mm-hmm. the people around her who love her, except for her <laughs> brother. <laughs> Come on, they, Keith, they Keith. also introduced some new characters, which I like. They liked, did. Too. That's true. That's yeah. true. They introduced mm-hmm. some new characters. Um, I'm curious to see where they go um, if they decide to to continue. If they decide to pick up with it, um, <gasps> I hope so. I hope they continue. <laughs> yeah, because there there is a there is some room for them to to continue onward. There's some room for them to to uh, pursue the narrative, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but I mean, like honestly, if it was literally just twelve more episodes of like this same dynamic, it would it would still be cute and lovely. And honestly, yeah, like I I like it. Mm-hmm. I still like it. Um, I still find it very very enjoyable. And uh, yes. I I highly recommend that if you like the first season, you would watch the second. Just sort of um, mentally remove Keith. <laughs> every scene just brace kind of, yourself <laughs> right just kind of erase him from existence i try not to think about keith <laughs> all right let's talk about the aquatope on white sand um which we did watch um a considerable amount of we watched uh the entire coors worth of episodes plus one um which is where we discovered that this this was not a 12 or 13 episode show but a 24 episode show or maybe what are they gonna do um (laughs) so okay here's the thing um i have like two major complaints with this show because like on one hand i actually really liked this show overall um Mm -hmm. i thought it was um very good at um being very pretty um, I thought it hit the emotional beats like very satisfyingly. Um, it builds gradually. It feels fairly meaningful, and I feel like the conclusion of the like major sort of core arc was handled really well. I thought it was really really good. Um, mm-hmm. But then it continues, and I don't think it needs to. <laughs> Uh, that's um, why I'm so curious as to, right. because they were able to tell their story pretty succinctly within the first core. Right. It it oh. felt complete. <laughs> yeah, so I wonder what kind of story sort of. they want to tell in the second one and if it would be right. nearly as good, you know. Yeah, that's that's kind of where where I'm at with with this, right? Because like the first season feels like a lot like it's about like one thing. And then the second season feels like it's kind of about a different thing in a weird yeah. way that almost feels like detrimental. Because like the first season is about, um, or the first core, like the first half of it is basically about like you know, um, like holding on to your dreams and um, like what it means to to run away and to escape somewhere, but also like what it means to to come to terms with what your dream means, like how practical it is. Right. There's a lot of um, this sort of coming of age narrative where it's like 
um, I'm holding on to this this thing um, because it represents something very important to me that um, like I feel like if I lose like um, I lose sight of like who I am right and you know that's what the aquarium represents for a lot of these people it's why they try so hard to protect it um, mm-hmm. and like obviously the the conclusion of it is that um, the aquarium um, weathers a a typhoon but is pretty much like um proven to be um un- like unsustainable right it's not mm-hmm. it can't hold on any longer it's it's reached the end of its lifetime essentially yeah. right mm-hmm. the aquarium itself and like it's just not feasible to rebuild it so like even if you know they weren't hemorrhaging money right um the amount of um manpower and like money it would take to to build the aquarium or rebuild it would just be far too great for anyone to like realistically handle, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought all that was really cool um, because, like, you know, um, it's a place that uh, for the for one of the main characters um, is uh, representative of her parents. It has a kind of magic mm-hmm. to it where she can see yeah. um, her parents, and like um, a lot of the other characters also see. Um, like one like lost loved ones that um mm-hmm. in in this aquarium it's a a magical place that holds a very like special kind of low key magic to it um and I thought all that was very very cool um and then also the explanations um and the climax for like why they can't continue to live there right um, yeah it is kind of like a, a very like melancholy like bitter reality sort of like waking up to like being an adult and like um realizing that like you know it's not possible to hold on to all of your dreams um but it is possible to to still do something with that with the, to take that energy and to put it somewhere else right um mm-hmm. sometimes things are just impossible and sometimes um like not in a depressing way but just in a some things are just inevitable way right and mm-hmm. part of uh like growing up and um you know being an an adult right is to to see that and to say like um like it is not worth holding on to this past the time it has been given um cuz you know in a way it's a, it's a lot about loss right it's a lot about um coming to terms with grief and trauma and like mm-hmm. being yeah. able to like heal and let go and then it feels like the second season is like w- like way too much of like now you're an adult and you have to do a job you don't like so that people can enjoy it like a thing you do like and it's like I don't know if we really needed this part of the narrative at all actually I feel like the first season was so <sighs> like uh-huh like encapsulated well enough like obviously I think the last episode of the of the last core was a little clunky um it didn't wrap everything up satisfyingly but yeah. that was primarily because they they had a second like cooler yeah, to like, yeah. go into and like i feel like it would have been so much better if they had just wrapped mm-hmm. everything up um yep. in that season and just had it be like a nice 13 14 episode package and just have it be done i i wanted it to be done too um and it's not because yeah. i didn't enjoy it it's just because i felt like that's Something's just got to end, like the aquarium, you know? <laughs> right, exactly. It's, like, so weird that the aquarium is, like, over. And, like, that's, like, <laughs> almost, like, a character of its own in the show. Yeah. And then once that character is dead, <laughs> once the central character of the entire show is dead, they're like, okay, 
now here's season two. We're like, why is there right. a season two? <laughs> the show is about coming to terms with that and just letting it go. Right, so like, why not go, let go of the show? <laughs> Listen to what you've written. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I um, I I don't know where they're going. I'm like vaguely curious as to where they'll what they'll actually do with this second core, but also I'm not, I guess, curious enough to sit through twelve more episodes. I feel the exact same way. I'm just like, okay, very cool. I like yeah. what I watched. I am done. <laughs> I do not need to watch any more of this. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it also felt like I like we got mildly baited by the female friendship. Okay. Angle. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. That's my my second. <laughs> big complaint about the show is that like there is so like so much just uh like okay <laughs> there is an abnormal amount of like queer baiting that's going on in this show yeah it's really like, frustrating because you can kind of see normal. it coming yeah yeah and it's, it's, yeah it's it's one of those things that's terribly frustrating because like on one hand like yeah, okay, we probably didn't expect it to actually be, like, super gay. Right. But on the other hand, it's just, like, it, you're writing in a way that is so, like, exceedingly intimate about mm-hmm. the way that these characters relate to each other. And you just kind of mm-hmm. refuse to take that, like, little step into what makes narrative sense um, because you're... You can't write gay people or whatever, right? It's right, like, exactly. We got to write in a straight guy who's trying ugh. to insert him, himself into the protagonist's life. And for some reason, we're interested in that more so than the female friendship like, or whatever. It is, it is legitimately <laughs> startling to me how much people can see a piece of media where two mm-hmm. people are, are obviously, obviously head over heels deeply in love with each other mm-hmm. and not have like um not have that be picked up because people are so oblivious to like um to like gay relationships and like the idea of gay attraction being like so alien that it is physically impossible you could literally be like okay bro i'm going to kiss you on the lips and give you my kidney that's what I want. Okay, so I want to live that, with you forever. That's what I was going to bring up too. Was that they use the same types of tropes that you would see in a traditional quote unquote romance, right. but in a friendship like intent, I guess. And so, like these girls are like stroking each other's faces. They're sleeping next to each other. It's like all of this stuff that if it was a, it was between a boy and a girl, they would already be in a relationship. I don't um, see. According I don't to traditional know what it media. Is. Yeah. But it seems to me like some people are way better at writing gay romances than straight ones. <laughs> and they don't realize it. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think like obviously there's a lot to be said about queer baiting sort of in general, you know, where it mm-hmm. comes from, um mm-hmm. like what it what it means to read into that stuff, um the sort of um benefit of uh audience interpretation um you know the sort of infinite space of uh like fan fiction and all the sort of stuff that you can do there but there's also mm-hmm. just like something to be said about how there is something so deeply wrong with our society that we don't actually understand what like romance and like love is to a point 
that is so exceedingly blatant that like mm-hmm. you can write two characters who will be devoted to each other for the rest of time and people will look at that and be like wow they must be such good friends and like, <laughs> Like, I don't mean this to, like, degrade friendship because I don't no. think friendship is lesser than, like, um, like a no. romantic relationship. But it is a different type of intimacy, and it feels like that line gets super blurred in this type of media where right. the, yeah. the friendship in this show was way more romantic and intimate than no, the like, actual love interest. 100%. Like, that's, like, the, that's like the thing, right? Where mm-hmm. like you have this character who's meant to be like the 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 gay away, right? The like um <laughs> the sort of like variable you introduce to be like, hey, here's here's a man to like he's almost like he's like literally like a character written to exist to like write away the gay. Yeah. He just hovers like, around. <laughs> he just hovers around there and is a man. And that is what is taken yes. for like romance. And it's like, yes. that's so baffling to me when you literally have two <laughs> characters who are holding hands, sleeping next to each other, stroking each other, and then also like talking about their dreams yeah, to each other. They're, one they're of them emotional in connection. Yeah. <laughs> literally, one of them is about to leave on an airplane. And oh my God, comes they get the airport thing. That's right. <laughs> she, she refuses to board the airplane and comes back to the other character because she knows she's like crying and can't handle being alone i what are you doing okay. i forgot they did the whole like <laughs> that's like the ending of a rom-com or just like, like romance movie in general one of the most famous like quote-unquote romantic scenes in like western media is like that scene in friends where he's just like i know i'm gonna stay off the plane or whatever i've never seen friends i can't i don't know i don't know (laughs) if that was actually romantic or just weird uh either so don't quote me on that but like like do you know what i mean like like, you see it in a lot of of romance movies right the airplane And like yeah. getting on the airplane or getting or not getting on the airplane is such a pivotal romantic <laughs> crux. It is like actually actively <laughs> offensive to me that you would then take this and be like, by the way, they're both straight. No, the fuck they are not. In what universe? In, okay. Like, uh, <laughs> Uh, 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 I am, I am as much for um meaningful and uh intimate and deep depictions of friendships or non romantic um uh lifelong commitments, right? All that kind of stuff. I'm I I that's that's important to me. I like that. This this is gay. Like hands down, un un, there's no question. You cannot look me straight in the eyes. Like, if I gave you the list of things that happens between these two characters and and did not specify what gender they were, people are like, yeah. oh, that's that's romantic. And then you would be like, uh, by the way, it's two women. And they'd be like, oh, how very nice friends they must be. <laughs> like, it is ridiculous to me the lengths that people will go to to just, like, deny the, the basic workings of, like, logistical function. Just to be like... <laughs> but gay people don't exist. <laughs> it's like actively offensive to me just how yeah. how much you can look at this and just be like, how nice. 
like how can you write this and not just be like these two characters are in love and will kiss <laughs> i don't get it i don't either and i'm i'm so tired of it <laughs> <laughs> like Normally, no, again, and like here's the thing. Normally, I'm not like so insistent on this um, mm-hmm. because, yeah. like, you know, obviously, I've I've been being crewbaited for like a, a decade now. Who cares <laughs> at this point? I I'm not gonna trust, um, you know, uh, big productions to to uh, give me what I want. But mm-hmm. like on on the other hand, like it's like it's not like I even loved the show so much that it was like that like that's why it's like literally just like so just ridiculously out there that i'm just like i you are denying basic reality by like implying that these two (laughs) girls are not like in actual meaningful romantic love with each other i don't get it yeah they they followed the very traditional romance formula but then they made it a friendship and that's bizarre (laughs) Oh, how nice. They're lesbians, Harold. <laughs> anyway, yep. um so the first season is really good. I I would uh <laughs> I would pretty much I would recommend watching it um as long as you're not going into it with the hope that they actually kiss each other. But like, you know, you can show intimacy in ways that aren't just kissing each other and like mm-hmm. I choose to believe that they are in love with each other because that <laughs> is what is being presented to me on the screen unequivocally, unquestionably. Yes. yes. <laughs> anyway um yeah second season i'm not so sure about and i don't really care to watch it um yeah unless unless i get shown like a screenshot of them of them initiating a relationship yeah actually physically (laughs) locking lips yeah i don't i don't care anymore (laughs) yep that's that's part of being an adult too it's it's learning to question your own sexuality Anyway, let's talk about life lessons with Uramichi Onisan, which um, uh, we didn't finish, but don't I don't think we really need to. Um, it's a it's a gag ma- uh, manga slash anime, and um, it's very funny. Oh, it's hilarious! This is also about adulthood. <laughs> but this in is a very different. This way. is a comedy for an adult audience. Yes, <laughs> it is a little too relatable. Yes, it's like uncomfortably relatable, but you just keep watching because you know the show is talking about you. <laughs> it is it is uncomfortably um relatable and that's also part of why it's funny. It's a very yes. like it's a very like uh, like targeted comedy about the adult experience. <laughs> specifically what it means to be a a jaded adult working in a job yes, you don't working, particularly yeah. care mm-hmm. about. Mhm. Um, I, I loved it. It's, um, <laughs> a bit cathartic in a way, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is an utter uh, delight to watch. Uh, cause like, <laughs> there is like basically one central gag, which is just how much it sucks to be an adult. And you know what? It's f- f- fucking same, actually. <laughs> Big agree. It does suck to be an adult. Every now and then they introduce like a new humiliating outfit that the actors have to oh, wear. Oh my god! <laughs> and they just have to listen because the director won't yeah. won't listen, and it, that's yeah. your job. It's uh, <laughs> oh boy. The director is like a total nutcase, but oh my god! <laughs> you know they have to follow his orders because he's the boss, and that again is a part of adulthood. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. <laughs> Highly recommend. <laughs> oh yeah. All right. 
Let's talk about uh, To Your Eternity, second season, um, or the second core, rather. Um, mm-hmm. This had a weird amount of episodes. It had 20 episodes total, which yeah, mm-hmm. was less than I was expecting. Um, we were surprised by that, yeah. Y- yeah, we were like, oh, it, is, is, that, is that it? Um, mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense why they ended it where it did. Um, but also, it was just like very weird that it wasn't a full 24 episodes. But you know what? I mean... There are bigger complaints to be had anyway. Um, I thought that the second half was interesting. I thought there was a lot of cool content in it. Um, I also just didn't think it had as much steam as season one did. Um, no, like yeah, did. I, I would tend to agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the first the first half was like really, really, really solid. Um, mm-hmm, like mm-hmm, to the yep. point where like I um. I have never encountered in any piece of media that has made me cry as consistently, <laughs> right? Um, and I think, to its credit, um, it's trying to do different things with um, with the narrative in in the second half. Um, sure, yeah, yeah, I do respect that. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I think I think you can tell that because the um, the death sort of um, scenes are inherently meant to have a little bit less weight to them. They're still like, mm-hmm. oh, that mm-hmm. sucks, man. Um, but they're not just like, they're not just like, you know, we spent like t- like four or five episodes getting to know these characters and here's the heart-wrenching things yeah. like, that happen as they die, what they think about, what their dreams were, right? Um, I think they, they would definitely have to treat it fully aware of the fact that you're emotionally drained after I, the Goo Goo arc, you I know? Think I, yeah, I, I think that's it. I think they realized that, that the Goo Goo arc was, like, pretty much the, like, absolute um, sort of maximum they could really push that, that yeah, sort of, like, yeah. story. Um, mm-hmm. And I like that they pivoted away to something else. Yes, right? me too. There's still, like, a little, there's still a lot of weight to it. Um like uh with the characters you you still care about them and they still you know die and you you feel really bad about that um but um you can tell that the narrative is not as interested in twisting that particular knife anymore because they know that you've you've had enough and i think that's that's smart um yeah that is a mm-hmm. a well put together story um but uh, yeah i do was- i do like that mm-hmm. that they um decide to pivot more into developing the villain i guess in this case um, oh my god also, yeah yeah Fushi's um, motivation in general to to keep growing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. It was interesting because like the um, the first uh, half is like really about you know um, these themes of like legacy and death, what it means to die, what it means to be remembered. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of like um, like the the terror of forgetting like um, someone who was important mm. to you, um, who has, yeah. has uh, vanished, right? Like the idea that you don't really die until you are forgotten, right? And Fushi mm-hmm. is like a, a being meant to remember, um, in a way. And like as a result, the like the greatest enemy of that is the existential idea of of forgetting, right? Um and that's all very cool. Um and then season two leans a lot more into um now that you know what it means to to value and cherish life. What does mm-hmm. it mean to then have to confront um, like killing people, right? Mm, the act yeah. of mm-hmm. killing people. Right, to right? fight for your life, essentially. Yeah. For the people and that you care about. That was like the, the primary mm-hmm. thematic focus of the second half, which I thought was mm-hmm. very, very cool. Um, yeah. And um, 
as a result, it's not quite as like uh, emotionally heart wrenching as season one is. Um, mm-hmm. It might not even be as emotionally impactful, but it still feels like um, like you're watching like an interesting story uh, unfolding. And um, yeah, I felt like there was still a lot to like. Yeah, I would say that the content was very interesting. It's just that um, emotionally, I wasn't invested. I think like probably ninety percent of it was due to the fact that I was I didn't really care about the new characters, um, yeah, and yeah. they were the ones that you needed to really invest yourselves into liking so that when Fushi has to protect them, you right. feel more pull. Mm-hmm. Um, but as it stood, it felt like they were, I feel bad for saying this, but they were kind of disposable in the narrative sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, because there were so many, but then two is also like, they were so horrible to Fushi and Pioran and those two characters are the ones that you're you have all your emotional investment in at this point. Um right. so they already have like that hill to climb in terms of likability. But then after that it's like the threat comes and then half of like most of them get wiped out and yeah, by that point you've you've kinda like started warming up to them, but you know, you may or may not like really be invested in them. Yeah. Um yeah, but yeah. it's already too late, you know? Mm-hmm. Um so that was, I guess, like my own personal um, beef with the uh, story at that point in terms of um, the emotional storytelling. But I think uh, storytelling, like like just the story overall, like the plot, I think was really, really good, um, especially when they um, reintroduced Hayase because that was terrifying. Oh, my um, God. Hayase <laughs> was such a scary villain. Because, yes. <laughs> um, Basically, Hayase comes back, and uh, mm-hmm. you learn that she has um, has killed. Uh, oh God, what's her name? Uh, um. The girl, the 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 fighty one, the cool one, <laughs> fighty one. Let's see, let's see. Perona. Ah, Perona. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. You learn that she's like killed Perona off screen, and you're just like, oh, okay. That's mm, that's kind of horrific. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. <laughs> but then. Um, she is like actually terrifying. <laughs> like mm-hmm. she comes back and she's unhinged. Yeah, completely. She's obsessed with Fushi. She uh wanted she wants to have his children. Um yep. mm-hmm. <laughs> uh she wants him to kill her so that she yeah. can be a part of him by him being able like- to transform into her. Uh- what? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> that is okay. Uh, to to the to uh the credit of to your eternity that is an incredible incredible thing to do yeah. with your villain to just be yeah. like okay so like the concept of of fushi is that um anything that like dies um uh that uh like near him uh he can become right yes so the villain is just like I want you to kill me so that you can become me and we can be one. That is the yeah. most horrifying shit I have yeah. ever heard in my life. Existentially terrifying. And yeah, it's it's at that point, up until that point, you're like on team, Fushi, you gotta suck it up and just kill this crazy lady who is trying to destroy everything that you love and cherish because she's already tried to kill your friends. But then when she says that, you you realize... Oh, Fushi can never kill us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh no, oh no, no, no. 
<laughs> I will say that that moment was like the best moment when he leaves. Like oh, the whole yeah. the the whole rest of the show that season or I guess I should say is worth watching up until that point so that you could see that moment when he leaves her because that whole scene is so good. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, um, that 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 scene is very very good. It's also like just it's just funny. It's so funny. <laughs> It's just kind of funny to see him like look down and just be like, "No, I don't think so." Yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> like, no, thank um, you. I do not wish to be a part of this anymore. Yeah, but she'll definitely continue to be a present, and that's oh yeah, in some in some terrifying. way or or yeah. some form, like yeah, yeah. Um, like honestly, props for having just like an utterly terrifying villain. Um, oh, and hundred uh, percent. Making her like just very, very unsettling in very real ways. Oh, yes, <laughs> that was just very uncomfortable. Uh-huh. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, uh, like when uh, when she when they're like talking in the boat and she like does the yandere like oh they were getting between <laughs> us. I was like, huh? Ah, ah. <laughs> I know. I was like backing away from the screen. <laughs> Get out of there! <laughs> yeah, she was leaning forward, and I was leaning backward. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I also liked how the uh season ended. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, we talked about how um yeah. it was uh one thing to have it be like twenty episodes, and that's a little bit of a weird interval. But um, I I like that uh the sort of um thematic endpoint of this sort of uh chapter in fushi's life is uh is pyoran dying um just kind of of old age like she just kind of goes peacefully and um like that that i mean that honestly like it's not like a mm-hmm. it's not like a tragic like wrench your heart out bawling sort of sadness it's just a very like quiet understated yeah. like very real low-key sadness because like i i mean obviously like um I think like most people have have experienced what it's like to have just like one of your grandparents just like kind of go and oh my gosh it's, the, the, yeah the fact that her mental condition started to deteriorate and oh, she started so suffering from sad. dementia oh my god my heart oh yeah gosh. it really really like yeah I mean it's it's certainly oh. a different kind of like pain than the like yeah um, someone killed before they could achieve their dreams but like Pioran did literally everything she wanted to do and was happy yeah. and she just yeah. started to go like senile because she was just getting old like, yeah that's such a you That's you see a what a cool thing. character she is because she's able to fend for herself as an old lady and she continues on without Fushi while still waiting for him. She instantly recognizes Fushi even though he's in a different form when he uh, sees her again. Mm-hmm. And like all of this good stuff about her character and then you just see that turn on its head when, when she starts to deteriorate. And <laughs> the fact that uh, on her very last day she had that sudden mental clarity and was speaking yeah. really nicely to him again. I was like, oh, no, she's going to die. Like, no, that's, that's it. This is it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, ov- overall, like, the thing that's really astounding to me is just how um, how well-written uh, everything just continues to be. Like, yeah. obviously, you know, um, it's one thing not to, like, like the the characters that were sort of, like, um, introduced to. And, mm-hmm. like, they're kind of uh, supposed to be the kind of... Um, um, empathizable like uh like uh characters to sort of emotionally attach ourselves to 
Um, yeah. But at the same time, like, um, in terms of just, like, being a narrative, it's, like, very well written, oh, very yes. tightly written. The narrative is very good, yes. Yeah, like, it's it's very proficiently written just all the way through. Um, mm-hmm. And I I love I love that um, the kind of end point of this, this chapter of Fushi's life is to have um, everybody who essentially mentored him into who who he is um like uh who has like essentially parented him right like Mm -hmm. you have um the boy who like um kind of taught him what it meant to like form a bond with someone um you have uh you know puran and uh march and um perona who like um are like uh like a grandmother and like a mother (laughs) figure Mm -hmm. even though march is like like five like, <laughs> but like she you wanted know, to be Fushi, a mom Fushi's, yeah, but like Fushi's like zero so like technically yeah. i guess it works yes um, yes and then you had had gugu be be the older brother um yeah and um slowly all of these characters kind of get pulled pulled away um and uh and then Fushi is just kind of left to his to his own devices to like be whoever he is now right mm-hmm. like now that he has emerged um from the other side of, of puran's death as you know kind of his own person right um it's interesting that that's like uh where they've they've set up the the end of the the season um yeah feels, i do i do like, like it comes that. around right mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. it feels like very very much like like that was the way it was supposed to to go um yeah yeah, I, I like, like that they, they didn't try to stretch it out to yeah, however long a, a two core anime. One hundred percent. I I'm 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 very glad that they just decided to leave it there and not be mm-hmm. like, okay, um, here's four more episodes of an arc that you like you won't get to see finished or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, mm-hmm. um, and I think I think they have at the end of the season announced that there was um uh another season for fall of next year. Yeah, yeah, they did. Mm-hmm. So we'll see how that goes. Um, it sounds like some of our friends have some um, feelings about the rest of the narrative. They They have read the manga and they have strong feelings about what's coming <laughs> they, up. They reacted very <laughs> viscerally. <laughs> so um, I'm intrigued. Um, yes. But I, I, overall, Two Year Eternity was really, really good. Um, very yes. engaging. Um, yes. It did make me cry a lot. Yes, I I cried one more time for Pioran when for, for she said uh, she wanted to become something useful to Fushi, and I was like, yeah. oh, here come the waterworks! Yeah, oh, <laughs> Granny, Granny, uh, like, oh, it's over, <laughs> I'm gone. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's talk about Fina Pirate Princess, which we're not yeah. done with yet because I don't think it's done airing yet. Um, oh, this, oh yeah, that's right. This is a very enjoyable show. This is a very well put together show. It's so interesting and not at all what I expected it no, to be. No, it's it's super weird. <laughs> um cuz it's like um it's like a um pseudo historical um <laughs> narrative. Uh it's yeah. like set in like the a- the age of sail. There's pirates um Joan of Arc is um is like uh the, oh, there's the legacy always Joan of Arc. Yeah, like the legacy <laughs> of Joan of Arc is like a a, a very prominent part of the show. Um, but yeah, to be fair, that Japan fucking loves Joan of Arc. 
they heckin' love her. And they also are putting her together with Yukimura Sanada. And I just... Yes, correct. <laughs> right, yeah, that's Yukimura fine. Sanada is there. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> I, I will say this. It's very cool to have a show set in this era and to show a bunch of different locations, right? Like, we get the, like, Goblin Island that's, like, kind of like Japan. Mm, um, mm-hmm. And um, then we get, like, um, France. We get to see Germany. Like, all these places in this era. And it's, like, a very cool. And there's a lot of attention that goes into the building of these cities aesthetically Mm -hmm. that really, really works. It's a very, like, um, it feels a lot like um, the travel portion of One Piece. But, like, uh, in the real world. Or, like, a a, a fictional universe-inspired heavily by the real world in a way that's really cool <laughs> um i i think all of the like the sort of substance here is like really neat um and i think the central narrative is engaging enough right um there's kind of like this mystery about like uh about fina and all the sort of pirate stuff going on um there's like the the goblin uh army or whatever the like the the basically like the the people who like live in the midst the like goblin the japanese people i guess for some reason <laughs> um but uh it is essentially a like an action adventure show set in the age of sale and you know what honestly i think i think some people would just hear that and be like i want to watch this show and you know what you should watch this show the animation I, um, is beautiful yeah Oh yeah, the animation is very pretty. Yeah. Um Yeah, um I really <laughs> I also enjoyed just like the weird mishmash of different types of characters that you get oh, in yeah. this show because of the whole like mixing of settings and stuff. That's really inter- entertaining. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um I I actually really like this cuz there's um there's like a really old Tumblr post about um and like this actually this is one of those things, right? It's like when you think about certain things and what, like, uh, putting them in their proper historical contexts, it actually is kind of mind-blowing because we kind of assume that history is like a bunch of, like, separate nodes sort of connected by the, the flow of time. But really, mm. when, you, when you think about, like, how things fit together, like, history is a very rich tapestry. Um, mm-hmm. Because um, if, you, if you think about it, like... Um, one of the things that, uh, that like, um, blows certain people's minds is, like, when you learn that, like, MLK and, like, Anne Frank were alive at the same time. Oh. Yeah, I feel like <laughs> this anime could end up turning into, like, For Honor the anime, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, so, so like, um, that reminds me of a very old Tumblr post that was, um, that's, like, um... Uh, there's actually a couple about like the um, confluence of historical sort of time periods, right? Mm-hmm. Where like um, Tenochtitlan fell in 1521. From 1603 onwards, large numbers of honest to god freaking sa- a Japanese samurai came to Mexico from Japan to work <laughs> as guardsmen and mercenaries. Ergo, it would be 100% historically accurate to write a story starring a quartet consisting of the child or grandchild of Aztec noblemen, an escaped African slave a Spanish Jew fleeing the Inquisition, which was relaxed in Mexico Ooh. in 1606 for a time, and a katana-wielding samurai in colonial <laughs> Mexico. Also, Where is it? <laughs> yeah, also a bunch of Chinese characters because Mexico City had a Chinatown within 10 years of the fall of the Aztec <laughs> Empire. 
<laughs> I need so, like, it. <laughs> so like we kind of assume that that history is um, like one thing that uh, mm-hmm. everything was like very disparate and separated. Yeah, very actually, separate. Uh-huh. History was very densely woven and there was just shit everywhere. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Once they could uh, travel from continent to continent. <laughs> right, which was actually quite quite a long time ago. Right, because mm-hmm. there is um, there's evidence that um, I think there's evidence that um, uh, Native Americans from the Americas had sailed to Africa, um, specifically oh. I think to Egypt to give them tobacco. Whoa! Yeah. Um, another one that uh, that I'm reminded of is um, consider Victorian England was from 1837 to 1901. The American Old West was from 1803 to 1912. The Meiji Restoration was from 1868 to 1912. French privateering on the Gulf of Mexico ended circa 1830. Conclusion. An adventuring party consisting of a Victorian gentleman thief, an Old West (laughs) gunslinger, a disgraced former samurai, and an elderly French pirate is actually 100% historically plausible. Let's go. (laughs) That's kind of the the really cool astounding thing to me is that technically speaking, like, it's not even that out there that that all of this is happening in in, uh, Fina Pirate Princess. Yeah. So, um, there you go. Uh, I like that. That that's that's some cool historical facts for you today. <laughs> All right. Uh, tell me about Remain, Renu. Yeah, Remain is the um, water polo anime by Mappa, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it was despite it you know on i guess like on the first read being like oh it's just a water polo anime like whatever um it was a lot more uh interesting than i thought it would be i was way more invested than i expected to be um uh we talked about it during the sampler episode where it had a pretty interesting premise where the main character was um a star water polo player in his middle school years but then towards the end um he got into um, a car accident and he lost all his um memories from his middle school years and so his brain was basically reset to when he was in elementary school and so the first um part of the show is about him um coming to terms with the fact that you know he's almost like high school age now and um is missing all these memories um was apparently a star water polo player but can't be anymore because his muscles atrophied while he was in um hospital care uh and he ends up like re kind of reconnecting with the sport and making new friends and all of that um but over the course of the show he learns that his middle school self while being a star player was actually a really horrible and abusive person to his team you know i kind of um, figured that might be the case yeah yeah so <laughs> um then while he's learning that this uh was the case um he ends up hitting his head again <laughs> oh he loses all of the memories that he had gained um while in high school and his brain is reset to when he was in middle school. So now he's back to being a douchebag. <laughs> oh. Ah. Uh, and so um, uh, middle school, um, his name is Minato. Middle school Minato 
is not interested in the scrub team that he formed friendship with at all. He wants oh, to go back no. to his old team, right? And he wants to go to the school that they, the the high prestigious water polo school that they went to, right? Uh-huh. Um, but he can't because he's no longer, uh, obviously he's no longer a star athlete because of, you know, his, the whole muscle issue and then uh, all the time that he missed um, while he was in hospital, while his teammates were growing. And so basically his coach, his old coach was like, well, we don't, we don't need you because uh, you got left behind essentially. Um, huh. And so Midacho eventually um, through his, I guess his new friends, quote unquote, you know, the friends that he doesn't want and doesn't care about. They try to worm their way back into his life and he starts eventually connecting with them again. They start working together as like a team. And then eventually you even start to feel invested in Minato the douchebag because he's not a hundred percent bad. And you see that there are a couple of like, key traits about him that are good like the fact that he's confident the fact that he's really sassy and he can basically tell off other people who are who look down on their team and um he's able to help train the other teammates and he really pays careful attention to their you know how they can work together to you know pull something off essentially um and uh by the end they are able to score one point against Minato's old teammates and the Mm. the new team that they formed in high school and they of course lose the game like really horribly but the fact that they're able to score like a single point um felt really good to them and they celebrated and that was the the show ends right there essentially um and so I'm at this point where I'm like well it was it was pretty nice like a pretty nice story overall like the animation was like kind of eh but like uh it was a nice, easy watch. Um, I liked the characters. I liked the story. Um, and I'm, I could take a sequel, but I could also like leave it where it is, you know. <laughs> so, I would say overall, it's a decent sports anime, but it's actually more about the character drama than the sport. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Cool. Yep. So I think that's it in terms of the season's anime that we watched. Oh, woo! <laughs> wow! In a timely manner for once, too. Wow! Yeah, luckily we, we didn't watch uh, uh, an amazing amount. But um, uh, I think I think I was staring down the barrel of the coming season, and I think we're in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> we uh. we only barely started. <laughs> I know we've we only barely started and we're already behind. This sucks. I mean, that's that's always the case, right? <laughs> God, we're always playing catch up with this seasonal stuff. I'm like, we need like a reset season. Like, we just need a season where we just don't watch anything. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that'll help. You know? <laughs> oh, you're right. It would just put us further behind. Ah. <laughs> anyway, why don't we wrap up then? Um, yeah. Oh, God, it's been like two months. How do we wrap up again? Uh, who are you? Where can we find you on the internet? I think that's it. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Renu, also known as Swan. You can find me on um, Twitch, on Twitter, on Facebook, Tumblr, etc. Um, at Swandrawn. You can find me on Instagram at swan.drawn. This month, because it's October, I've been streaming horror games, which I don't 
usually ever play. Um, and um, it is shown by the fact that it took me forever to get through three little horror indie games that I like. <laughs> Uh-huh. Inch through. Um, the third one that I played during my first night of doing this was um, Anatomy, which is a very good um, first-person horror, I'd say, experience. Um, there isn't too much gameplay, um, mm-hmm. but the story is very good. The writing and pacing on all of it is extremely well done. Um, and uh, I got through that game by very slowly pressing the w key every now and then <laughs> to inch forward oh, and I then feel that. I feel that. by the end yeah by the end i was so scared i pulled people into a discord call with me to finish the game with oh my me. god that's so funny i hate horror games so i completely yeah. understand where you're coming from yeah 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 i do um, not enjoy being scared no thank you <laughs> i'm glad i got through it though and uh right now i'm playing through detention i'll actually be finishing that up tonight um, cool. Also, a very cool um, Taiwanese game. Ooh. Uh, so um, it's about um, during the time when Taiwan was going through like very like anti-communist uh, censorship kind of deal because mm-hmm. they were um, at war with China, um, and so it's a like really cool point in history and also a really cool I guess setting. Mm. Um, so um, it's definitely like on the psychological side, and the story is so so good. Um, it's really really well done. I think I've I think uh, I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like a point and click kind of um, uh, mechanics. So, cool. yeah, very good. Um, I'll be finishing that tonight, and um, move on to the whatever next uh, nice. unpleasant horror experience nice, waits nice. me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, what I, about you? I, I don't envy that. Um, you can find me <laughs> all the places at Literal Soup. Um, I'm still trying to figure out a streaming schedule that works with my current work yeah. schedule. Um, it mm. is just a little inconvenient um, on on the which days I work and and when. But um, uh, yeah, I do you I have just, a um, a regular schedule yet? Um, so I have a regular work schedule right now for the the kind of job I'm working right now. Um, mm. It's just that uh, it's mostly during the day, so I can obviously stream at night, and um, mm. it mostly just depends on like my cooking schedule, which I have to sort oh. out too. Because we obviously we we cook as a household. Yes, um, yes, yes. So I know so someone's on on mm-hmm. the hook uh, every night. Um, but yeah. anyway, um, yeah, uh, I am not going to be playing horror games mostly because I'll be <laughs> gone for the rest of October. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there really won't be any time for me to stream anyway. Um, but also, I, I need to finish Yakuza 3, so... Um, yeah! <laughs> yeah, I really want to uh, continue on with that because um, I, I have let it sit there for a little while while I was getting um, adjusted, and now I think I can finally um, get a, a regular streaming schedule together. Uh, so keep, keep an eye out for that next month. That's going to be super fun. Um yeah, other than that, you know, I I'm trekking along, doing doing what I do, uh attempting to fit too many things in not enough hours. Uh you know oh, that's it, your constant state of existence. You know how it do. You know how it do. <laughs> I know um, how you do. <laughs> yeah, that is that is me all all the time. It's just Oh god, I've overbooked myself. There's no time for me to sleep. Unless. Anyway, um so look forward to that. Uh I yeah. Yeah. Um, 
All right. Uh, our opening is by Scotchy Network, and our ending is by Takamakara. And the patrons we are thanking this month are Evan Williams, mm. Magpie Test, Claire, Frostfall, Shandao, Cherubel, uh, Undead Uncanny, and Dylan Boats. Thank you so much. Yay! For your Thank you, guys. Everlasting <laughs> support. Wow! Everlasting. <laughs> May we grasp hands as we descend together into hell. Wow! That's great. <laughs> yep. That's where the fragrance of, of dark coffee falls to us. Oh, yeah. Um, obviously, uh, we have finished Ace Attorney. We have finished uh, the Ace Attorney trilogy. We did. Um, oh, my gosh. And we have started the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles. So oh, if you are so good. If you're interested in watching that, obviously, um, every single week, more or less, um, Saturday, uh, 8 p.m. Uh, Pacific time. That's mm-hmm. where you'll catch us. On Soupy's channel. On literal Soup. channel. Yep. <laughs> at literal, twitch.tv slash literal soup. Catch me there. All right. Goodbye. <laughs> so, oh, shit. What's our, what's our ending again? It's the... Oh, it's... See you next time. <laughs> See you next time. ね。